episode two of the Stars and Stripes SC podcast. I guess I guess we're just going with this this name because we don't have another name yet. It's Tuesday, June nineteenth, and we are smack in the middle of the World Cup. We're going to discuss all that and some controversy surrounding one of the all-time great men's national team players. First off, I'm Donald. I got my friend Stephanie here. Stephanie, what's going on? Uh, not a lot, man. I mean, there's the World Cup going on, but other than that, that's pretty much dominated everyone's time probably if and in fact probably people are not going to listen to this until after the games <laughs> on wednesday uh i would hope so uh but there is an hour of, of pre-game between each game so if you guys have a little hour this will hopefully take up at least half of that so before we get into the world cup let's start in the world of the nwsl where a blockbuster trade went down on monday involving two uh women's national team players stephanie why don't you tell us about this massive trade and where everybody is going all right, this was wild. I've known it was kind of in the works for a couple days, um, but the league is taking its time announcing it because there's been a lot of moving parts. So first off, Kristen Perez is returning from Sweden to the United States. I think that was kind of in the cards. Uh, Jill Ellis gave this interview where she kind of hinted she doesn't really rate the Swedish Women's Pro League. And Kristen Press also gave an interview to me, coincidentally, for The Athletic, where she kind of talked about how, yeah, the league is stable, but... It doesn't really compete with France and Germany. They don't really have the same kind of money to pour into bringing, you know, flashy internationals. Sophia's, I mean, um, Press's own team, Jotborg, uh, I think the coach gave an interview where he straight up said, it's nice having her around, but she's expensive as hell. So mm-hmm. what happened was um, Utah bought out the rest of her contract. So that team gets a nice little cash payout from Deloy Hansen. Uh, Kristen Press is going to Utah, but her rights were initially with Houston. Houston traded the rights to Chicago. Chicago then traded their rights to Utah in this little bing, bang, boom move. And -hmm. then a bunch of other stuff moved back. So now press is going to Utah. Sophia Huerta is going from Chicago to Houston. And then 1 million draft picks are going from Utah to Chicago, plus another one from Houston to Chicago. And then some other Andrew Russell players are moving the mix. For our purposes, the national team players who are moving around, Huerta and Press, it was wild the the contortions that the league had to go through in order to get Press to Utah. And kind of, I think, people are saying, you know, Utah might have been one of the places she wanted to go. She's not going back to Chicago. She didn't want to play for Houston. She made it perfectly clear. Um, so I think kind of the big-name MLS-affiliated clubs – that were left that's orlando utah portland uh orlando doesn't need her portland doesn't need her utah yeah and, and this it's it's interesting to me because at least from you know i i, I watched the nwsl but obviously i'm not deep 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 in the streets like you are it seems like a couple of years ago the wave was a lot of these national uh, national team players were going abroad and now you know you see uh you know Crystal Dunn has come home. Morgan Bryan is now back in the United States. And now we have Kristen Press. Uh, are there any other ones coming back? Is, is this like, like the new wave? Or, or, this, or is this just something where uh, this is about showing stability in a, in a league that kind of has had a little bit of instability over the last few months? I think this is a lot of factors coming together. The press thing is primarily... U.S. soccer has made it super clear over the past five, six years, they want national teamers to play in the league. They want them in the United States to be evaluated 
by Jill Ellis. I think Jill and her coaching staff said in an interview, I can't remember where, they watch NWSL feeds to see how the national teamers are doing and to, you know, kind of scout around the league. It's a little troubling knowing that they're relying on the same shitty go 90 that the rest of us are to scout mm-hmm. players. But um, it kind of emphasized how much U.S. soccer wants all Americans in this league. And I think it's fair to say, yeah, Sweden is not as competitive as NWSL. So it's kind of like the U.S. soccer fist in the NWSL glove. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're pulling the strings. The only other player abroad, really, who I can think of who might be coming home soon is Heather O'Reilly. She retired from the national team, but she just announced, you know, her time's over with Arsenal. We'll see where she lands. I think she would prefer North Carolina. Um, last I heard, maybe she had a home there or something, and she has strong ties and carry. She's a Tar Heel. We'll see. Yeah, well, I know she's uh, uh, she's in depth with uh, that community. She still has a home in Chapel Hill. I think she owns a bar in Chapel Hill, actually. Uh, that just opened last year. So I, th- I I would probably, if she's coming home, the safe bet is that she's going to play, uh, that she would want to play there. But obviously it all depends on how the league shapes up and how they how they organize this to make it happen. Um, that remains to be seen. But I think in the end, you know, have, it's, it's weird. They're, they're kind of in a flux situation where we want our players to have the best, uh, we want our players to be at their best because we have a World Cup coming up next summer. And we, and we have qualifying this false. So we want to have everybody playing on teams and they're playing at their best against the best competition right now. That's here. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the end it's weird. I, I don't know. It's, you know, the, the wave of people going abroad was a point. It seemed like they were making a point that, Hey, we don't have to stay in this league to get top quality competition or play against top level competition. And now it's still about, you know, there's a, still a sense of you want your best players to be here. You want your stars to, to be here to kind of, you know, highlight the league. And you want, especially over the summer when people are, I mean, the league is going up against the World Cup uh, for a lot of it with games. You want to have, you know, the ability to see Alex, you know, Alex Morgan. You want to see Carly Lloyd. You want to see Megan Lupino And those quality players, you want to see them week in and week out uh, on your team or, or coming to your town. So, uh, I, I think it's interesting that the wave now uh, of these players are is to come home and and kind of get on everybody on the same level and on the same page before we start qualifying. It might be a little bit just a bunch of coincidences, like Morgan Bryan, for instance. She's back in Chicago. They haven't officially yeah. announced it, but you know she's taking pictures of herself at the Bean and stuff. So it's 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 it seems like it's an all but name. Um, but when she went abroad, she signed a two and a half year contract and we're only half a year into it. And it's because she couldn't seem to get healthy. And I think U.S. soccer maybe tugged another string. that was like, all right, you had your chance. You know, you went after the you know Champions League and the fancy French paycheck, but you're not getting better there. You haven't gotten any minutes. Um, so you need to come home and get right. Not that she particularly stayed healthy with the Houston Dash before, but maybe now that she's in Chicago, it'll be different. Yeah, I, I think maybe new surroundings, new, you know, fresh start. And, you know, honestly, even though she didn't play a lot at Lyon, it might have been a situation where she, she understood that, that, you know, everyone goes through tough times. And, and with her injury, she has uh, had a bit of a rough stretch, uh, especially with her form. So maybe this is the, you know, 
the the catalyst for her getting back healthy 100% because really that's you know I think what you and I and everyone else want is for all these guys to be healthy so that when qualifying comes around we have a full strength squad that's going to just destroy everybody uh, yeah, yeah. Don't have to worry about that you know what happens if Morgan Bryan's not healthy what happens if other players are, are pick up knocks I think we want everybody at their hundred our our midfield right now seems had to have some pretty good depth at least centrally but I want people to remember Morgan Bryan from 2015 she's been injured for so long I think people forget that she was uh, a, a crucial essential part of our World Cup midfield in 2015 and if she can get back into form then that's a huge boost to our hopes in 2019 mm-hmm. absolutely uh anything else to this trade I mean uh Laura Harvey over in Utah basically took the money gun and sprayed Chicago with draft picks. Like if it were a draft pick gun instead and like shot a bunch of dollar bills on them. <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing here is Enderbissell has this weird rule where you can't trade draft picks too far into the future. So they offered uh, some 2020 and a 2021 draft pick. And I think those draft picks are still like working their way through league rules. We'll see how NWSL once again contorts itself in order to make sure that a national teamer can move around the way she wants. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in the end, Chicago, it's, it's, they must be building towards something. Uh, is there a, you know, they have the number one uh, draft pick in 2019. They have another 2019 first round draft pick. They're getting two in 2020. Is there, is, is there a good group? Uh, is this considered a high quality class is coming out uh, in 2019 that they are obviously stacking the chips for? I don't think 2019. I think they're thinking ahead to 20 and 21. I think they're, they're particularly thinking of Jesse Fleming's graduation year. I know she's a Canadian, but mm-hmm. she was supposed to be paired up with Mel Pugh at UCLA. That was going to be the dream team. Like those two were just going to like, there. It's not fair that those two would have been allowed to play against college kids. <laughs> like it would be like you or I walking to a rec center and like LeBron is standing there and be like, come on, man. I just came here to have a good time. Well, you know what? I could, I could get a shot off against LeBron. Would it go in? I, I don't know, but my you think you get a whole shot. ass shot off against LeBron? A whole shot. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Now, now would it be sent to the next galaxy? Probably, <laughs> but I would get the shot off. I think you'd get the shot off and LeBron would block it so hard. It would go all the way to the other end of the, of the court and into his net. Probably. That's, that's what would happen. So yeah. it's more than I would do. I don't think I would manage to like dribble more than three times. He'd steal it, dunk. And I'd be like, that's great. LeBron James dunked on me. I can die. Yeah. See, in, in the end, everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what's going on with the U.S. Women's national team. It's always drama. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, I, I don't think that Chicago's done. Uh, with all these draft picks, I feel like they might be setting themselves up for something else. They're not done. Their owner, Arnhem, flat out tweeted, we're not done yet. So who knows what horrors lie in the future for us. Let's go on to the Men's World Cup, Donald. Yeah, well, you know, when that day comes, we will we will make sure to feed you oxygen uh, for whatever Chicago decides to pull. So uh, that'll be interesting reigns you've seen. Let's talk World Cup. Uh, we are a week into the World Cup, which seems ridiculous because it feels like it started just yesterday. Um, but it has been a whirlwind of games. And, and honestly, if you were sitting there, if you were sitting out there and you were like, I'm not watching this World Cup, the United States isn't in it. My second, third, fourth removed, you know, grandmother's heritage team is not in it. Look, 
I don't know what to tell you. You you should be watching these games because there have been some fantastic games uh, in the first uh, few first few days of the World Cup. So, uh, uh, Stephanie, I'll start with this question: What has been your surprise thus far? Uh, just because it's freshest in my mind, I guess it's Japan beating Colombia two one. Mm. That was a. I mean, that was a big upset. And, I know. In the sense that, like, Colombia, that group is just topsy-turvy. And, and, you know, when you couple that, that was started the morning, when you couple that with what Senegal did to Poland, like, you have a topsy-turvy group age. I know, you know, a lot of stuff didn't line up for Colombia from the jump in that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's a rough way to kick off the tournament, I gotta admit that. And my mom probably was upset because she thinks James Rodriguez is very handsome. <laughs> Muy guapo. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I, I was kind of rooting for Japan. I'm, I'm a big fan of both their men's and women's national teams. I'm really mad at myself because I have a friend who was visiting Japan a couple weeks ago, went to their football museum where they were selling authentic jerseys and I didn't ask them to get me one. Mm. I know. Well, there's, I mean, at least they're readily available. It's not like that's true. You know, another country where you have to basically go to the country to get it. At least, at least you can find them here. Maybe like an Adidas store. Yeah, it's not some obscure jersey like a women's club. But um, yeah, that was the big one for me. What was the surprise for you uh, out of the many surprises? There's been a lot of surprises, but honestly, like you have to start with how Russia's playing. Like, <laughs> Jesus, um, they, they five nothing against Saudi Arabia. And you're like, OK, it's Saudi Arabia. Uh, but to come back and here's the thing, this afternoon's game against Egypt where Mo Salah's back in the lineup and everybody's like, well, that's the end of Russia. Russia had their fun, and now Egypt's going to spank the floor with them, and and, and that's it. Uh, a 3-1 victory, and they were very convincing in the second half with it, too. Um, I mean, it was only a Mo Salah penalty uh, that gave Egypt its only goal, and Egypt basically has to hope that Uruguay loses tomorrow because if they don't, they're most likely out. Uh, or at least, let me, let me rephrase, they will be out if, Uruguay gets any result tomorrow. So um, that is a massive surprise to me in the sense that people thought Russia was okay, but they didn't think they were going to do damage and score a lot of goals. They've scored eight goals so far, and that is a whole hell of a lot. So that is my, that's my biggest surprise. Obviously, there's a lot of other ones, but that's the one that's freshest on my mind because you, don't, you, don't, you expect the host nation to do well, but you don't expect them to come out guns blazing like they have i think that a common criticism that you and i both saw during the course of this game though is that russia was playing pretty well and egypt was playing like they had 10 guys in mosala like mm-hmm. it it was you know 10 pretty good dudes and salah and versus russia it's just not gonna cut it and then russia had that wild like what they scored two goals in like, two three minutes yeah yeah uh, and here's the thing about Egypt. Like, Egypt's offense today was, I don't know if you've seen the Fresh Prince episode where they're playing basketball uh, for the for and Will to start to play basketball. They have the give the ball to Will offense. That was Egypt. <laughs> it was get the ball to Mo Salah and hope that Mo Salah can score. And obviously Mo Salah was, uh, was still feeling the effects from his shoulder injury. He, he obviously is not in, uh, he's not as sharp as he normally is ahead that he's shown all year long. Uh, for Liverpool, but I, and I think that was probably their their downfall is that they 
Egypt rode him to the World Cup. So now that they're now that he's back, that was a big boost. But they didn't play as a team. They basically said, get the ball to Mo Salah and see if he can score. And Mo Salah wasn't sharp enough. Um, and not his fault. I mean, he he just came back from injury. So uh, you could expect for him to have a little rust. And, and that showed. But getting the ball to him was very much a chore. And when they, uh, especially that two-minute sequence for Russia, it was really just, hey, we're going to try and panic and get the, you know, try and get the ball up towards Mo Salah. Oops, we turned the ball over. Oops, there's a goal. Yeah, that's... You know, I feel pretty bad for him. And, you know, Egyptian fans, I feel bad for them too. But for him especially, I mean, so many hopes and dreams are riding. I can't imagine the kind of pressure that rides on, like, a, a generational player like that. Mm-hmm. It's – I can barely handle, like, average-ass, regular day-to-day pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that is the weight uh, of an entire country and, what, 28 years of of drought that is – that's a lot of pressure for one man to handle. Hey, let me ask you this one. What was the best moment that you've seen so far in the World Cup? And it doesn't have to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, the best moment that I've seen so far. Once again, it's fresh in my mind, but SB Nation dropped an article about Japan's frog mascot. That was pretty charming. I, although the best moment might have been, uh, so I was texting my mom. This was Sunday. So this is uh, some Group F and Group E games. Germany, Mexico, Brazil, Switzerland. First mm-hmm. of all, she called Germany, Mexico. My mom I, is cr- crazy. She so, she didn't. So what's the? Can you ask her what the lottery numbers are? We can both be rich. We can. I need this. to have her fill out a bracket. Is what I need. But something. So, <laughs> I was texting her. She's like, "Oh, are you watching the World Cup?" And I was like, "Yeah, obviously." And she's like, "She didn't exactly call that Mexico would beat Germany or the scoreline, but she's like, you know, I thought they were going to do well." And I was like, "No, you didn't." But maybe she did. Mm-hmm. And then. She asked me, who do you think is going to win? Brazil, Switzerland. I say, Brazil, right? And she goes, are they going to really, though? Will, <laughs> like, will they? And I was like, what What do you know? Like, do you know when I'm going to die, too? Do you look at people and you just get a feeling? I don't understand. I should have asked her, honestly, for all of today's games as well. Your mom, your mom, might, be, uh, your mom might be a Ouija board. She might just know everything. She's, you might just have to ask the right question and she can give you an answer. Here's what I think happens. So my mom watches a lot of sports. She just leaves it on 24-7 on, mm-hmm. on her TV. So if you ask her to rattle off random NFL stats, she will. If you ask her to ra- – uh, she loves NFL, NBA, and she watches a little soccer. She doesn't, she doesn't mess with baseball or hockey. But she, like, absorbs all this information by osmosis, and then her computer mind, like, runs the simulation, like, 538, and then spits out the probabilities. Mm-hmm. So no, that's that's ridiculous. Um, yeah. I don't think I have that. I don't think anybody has that really. But your mom might be uh, be the be the Nostradamus of this tournament. Uh, I will tell you my I, the coolest thing I've seen so far. I, I mentioned that it can't. It doesn't have to be on the field, and mine is not. It was. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I, I think I retweeted it when it first happened. It was a video of the first day of the world of the second day of the World Cup, and. One of the fan zones in Moscow, um, Egypt was playing Uruguay. It was Egypt's first game since 1990 in the World Cup. And there was a guy in a wheelchair who was Egyptian, and he was being held up in the air by Mexican fans and Colombian fans so that he can watch his team play for the first time ever in life. Uh, and I think that symbols, that embodies everything that this World Cup is about. You, you hear about the stories on the field, but the, the, 
friendships you make off the field and just the lengths that people will go to to see their team play, that was special. I, I think that was probably the, the coolest thing I've seen so far. I knew you were going to say that, you big sap. I know. I mean, it's, it's cool. Like it, it, it really hits you when you're just like, you know, they were talking about Panama yesterday. Panama has never made the World Cup. So when they did the national anthem, like all the players are crying, like just people in the stands singing the national anthem as loud as they possibly can and crying and showing people in Panama City just, you know, in tears because they are seeing something for the first time ever. That sort of thing is why, you know, this is why the World Cup is so special. You don't get that in a lot of tournaments. You don't get that kind of patriotism. You don't get that those moments. And, and really, that's that's what moves you for the World Cup. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm not like a, I'm going to sit here and pretend like I didn't get choked up when I saw that picture and then have mm-hmm. to like take a little moment. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but I think on the field, you know, um, I'd like to give a shout out to former DC United player own goal, who is <laughs> leading, <laughs> has the golden boot right now in the World Cup with five goals. Um, he has, I knew he'd always be a special player um, ever since he led our team in goals about five years ago. Um, and and it, it's just, it's, I'm so proud to see his, his meteoric rise to, to stardom. Um, and now, now he's, now he's kicking ass in the world cup. He has five goals so far. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a few more when it, way it looks. Oh, Donald, <laughs> they're like <laughs> just the sadness that has taken root in your soul from being, in- Hey, you have to, you, sometimes you have to find the little things to be happy about. And if it's a guy who consider consistently caused you pain uh doing well in a tournament and, and i guess ipso facto sharing that pain with other people then at least other you know some fans of other nations get finally what i'm feeling you know what you need one of my favorite moments off the field too was uh there's this video going around of someone saying i think my grandma's the reason mexico won did you see this oh and yes they're panning across the lineups someone's abuela is like making the sign of the cross over each player uh-huh. like i think she did three times for ochoa as well and i was like well he had a pretty good game pretty so good game. Now, you can't the- you can't disprove that it that it didn't help well here's the thing i i saw that video and apparently some swedes also saw that video because they played the next day and one guy did the same thing to his team and they ended up winning. So maybe that's what we should have been doing all along. Turning to God. (laughs) Just, you know, just right before the game, just kind of just, you know, blessing each player as, as they go down the line, as the camera Mm -hmm. pans down, someone should have been doing that, you know, but but now, you know what, we now have the blueprint for next time. The blueprint, the recipe, the spell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see anything else about the World Cup. I mean, there's obviously a, a lot we can we can discuss. Uh, I'll I'll ask you this: Which games over the next couple of days are you most looking forward to? Ooh, that's a good question. Let's take a look at those games. Um, I'm thinking. I think the 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 Group B matchups are going to be uh, at least tomorrow are going to be pretty interesting. You know, Portugal, Morocco. Uh, then you have Iran, Spain, because that group really is kind of close you have portugal and spain who are the clear favorites but they they play them and that was probably the game of the, of the first round so far um was uh their 3-3 draw so i'm looking at to see whether uh iran spain that's probably the best of the of the matchups tomorrow um uruguay saudi arabia should be it'll probably be an absolute bloodbath um i feel sorry for them but uh uh but i think that's going to be an interesting one 
And honestly, Thursday, I think, might be the second best matchup of the first round. We have France and Peru. Um, France won. Peru, you know, uh, they played really well. And, and, and I think the, the matchup of the, of the styles of play that they have will make that a pretty entertaining game. I think I'm looking at um, Nigeria, Iceland. That's Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of interested in that from a pure entertainment level. And then obviously I'm like concerned about the motherland. So Korea, Mexico, Saturday, I Uh-oh. think, no I think clue. Mexico's going to win, but you know, maybe I should call up my mom and be like, first of all, give me your prediction. And second, when the lineup is happening, I Bless need you all. to get your Bible out. Bless all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do the same because Thanks, Donald. I appreciate because, it because of Mexico. Uh, yeah. and we can't have that. We can't have them feeling any better than they already do. <laughs> so. I mean, uh, if we want to talk about Mexico, that's the perfect lead in to our next topic. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's why don't we just shift to that? Because uh, over the weekend, uh, some controversy came up, and it wasn't, it was really centered around Mexico, but it came from an all time great for the U.S. men's national team, Landon Donovan, who came out and uh, professed his love and support for the Mexico team in the World Cup. But there's a little caveat. He did it while uh, holding up a sign or holding up a scarf for a Wells Fargo ad. He also had a Modelo ad where he's talking with David Ross about Mexico's curse and how he wants to see them break it this year and how they will be rooting for him. Obviously, this sparked a lot of controversy. A lot of other uh, uh, legends of the of the U.S. game spoke out against Landon Donovan, and Landon Donovan clapped back at a couple of them, including Carlos Bocanegra, um, in a way that made everybody just just lose their minds. Uh, but it leads into, we're going to kind of combine our last few segments. It kind of leads into uh, this question of, you know, why, you know, being a fan is turning out to be a contest and who's the better fan, what kind of fandom works. You know, I, I think a lot of people were upset at Donovan, not because he's saying I'm supporting Mexico, um, which, you know, some people are, are mad at that, you know, full stop. Um, but some people like, okay, that would make sense because he grew up in Southern California. He grew up around Mexican fans and it, it makes any plays in Mexico or played in Mexico until, <laughs> until this came out. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing helps, but when you're doing it for a check, when you're kind of selling, selling your, your, your loyalty to your team for a check for the world cup, that's when people kind of got inside it. And then there's just the simple fact that this is a rivalry. This is a this is the rivalry in Concacaf. This is you know this people were equating it to. If you're a Yankees fan, would you ever root for the Red Sox? The answer is probably hell no. I'm a Duke fan. Would I ever root for UNC? Nah, not 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 your wildest days. So this is kind of on that level, and and, and so there's a lot to really unpick. But uh, I think that is the main crux of it is. Landon sold everybody out for a check and, and really it got down to the, the simple fact of, do you support your rival in the world cup? I will take the, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to start with you. Go ahead. I think the distaste came from two primary sources. One, the sellout. He, I don't think he was pronouncing his big support for Mexico because it looked like he was pronouncing his big support for Wells Fargo to Wells sign Fargo. that mm-hmm. check with that, that, that super clean, honest Wells Fargo money. Right. Um, and second of all, it was the attempt for him that he made to clap back on Carlos Bocanegra because he was like, 
you know, your father's of Mexican descent. Look around our country. Are you happy with how we're treating Mexicans? You know, open your mind. It's like, are you lecturing a guy who you just acknowledge has a Mexican father, like, on on how to feel about Mexico right. and how our country is treating Mexicans? I'm pretty sure he has his own opinions on that dude and he doesn't need your white opinion. Right. Um, so it just, it was super condescending and it was disingenuous as hell because I don't think any of us thought for a second Landon Donovan was doing this out of a genuine desire to show love for Mexico and spit in the face of our government's current treatment of Mexican people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know what? I think honestly it, it came at a weird time, right? Like politically there's so much going on um, with regards to the separation of families at the border. That is a big, you know, big issue, hot topic issue right now. And when you throw this into the thing, then people started getting into the weeds of, Oh, well, if you're not supporting Mexico during the world cup and you just don't like Mexicans and then people would have to be like, no, that's not it. That we are not talking about the political aspect here. We're not even talking about the culture or the people of which most people would probably say they love. Like I, I love going to Mexico. I have a great time there. But when it comes to the actual physical game, the team is a team that we have all, you know, bred ourselves to hate and, there's in under in a lot of people under or under no circumstances would they cheer for that team. Now it's it's difficult because team in this case represents a country. Um, it is not like you know when I say you know you know I hate the Red Sox that the Red Sox are a are a culture of people. Um, it's just a team with fans, uh, and so people are looking at it that way, and then people then take it to the level of you this represents more than just a team with fans that it's a country. Uh, but then there's this other angle that I want to talk about. And that is why does everybody have to force or basically pressure fans of the U S national team to pick another team for the world cup? Uh, like I said before, you don't have to pick a team to enjoy the games in the world cup, but it seems like every commercial during the world cup is a commercial uh, from Volkswagen saying, pick Germany, pick Belgium, pick Switzerland, pick Argentina, because we have this, this, and that. You should be focusing on that. And, and all these other companies are saying, oh, well, the U.S. isn't in it. That's too bad. So maybe your grandmother is Swedish. So go for Sweden. Like, I feel like there's a there's a huge, uh, a huge emphasis in this society, in the sports society, about if my team's not in it, I still have to pick something or pick another team. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy these games as much. Uh, And I feel like for the World Cup, you don't have to do that. I think part of it is like purity fan culture, if that makes sense to you, where Mm -hmm. fans kind of, some fans will rank themselves or compare themselves to other fans and be like, I'm a better fan than you because I love my team in a more pure way or a better way according to whatever arbitrary metric I picked. Like I've loved them longer or I've only loved this team or, you know, I love them because my parents love them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's also a little bit related because it's interesting. This is a discussion that we're starting to have in women's soccer as well, where it's like, why do I need to root for my rival? Why does there have to be like that level of, you know, in the end we're we're all just sports. It's like rivalry is good. That's why people love sports for mm-hmm. the drama, the storylines, because, you know, they, 
there are people that you can't stand. And then like the ex the extra drama of like, well, they knocked us out. So we want this country, our ally. It's like a telenovela almost, you know, mm-hmm. in the level of drama. Rivalry is good and it's good to invest in rivalry emotionally, you know, on just as long as you don't take it to an extreme, because I will admit there is a certain level of fandom where I think they use team rivalry as a smokescreen for their own personal actual distaste for a country like on a xenophobic level or yeah, racist. no absolutely you're absolutely i don't right. think i don't think it's a big segment i think there's some people who who do that and i and i generally think you know there's there's good pushback in soccer at least that i've seen in my community in u.s soccer against you know trying to keep that out to keep it from taking root um obviously we see nationalism kind of can create problems when it's focused through a soccer lens. You've got hooliganism, you've got, you know, skinheads. Uh, I don't want to say skinheads because apparently that's not, that can be a separate culture from like actual racist, but you know, you've got like neo-Nazis and stuff over in in European teams, probably for some American teams too, who are using it all as a, as an excuse for them to go, yeah, I hate this country and be able to say it openly. So, yeah, I think we do have to be a little bit careful of that. But I agree with you generally, like just because you want to root against Mexico doesn't mean you're against Mexico, the country and the people. I I think sports rivalry is healthy. And, you know, as long as you cultivate it in a healthy way, it's good for the sport like at multiple levels. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny, I. One guy asked me, he was like, oh, why aren't you rooting for, you know, rooting for Mexico? And I go, I would never root for my rival. He's like, but this Mexico, like, it's, it's not, they're not rivaled us. Like, they're like, because obviously they don't get the game. And I was like, okay, like, and I knew he was a uh, a Boston Celtics fan. I was like, would you ever root for the Lakers in anything? He goes, no, hell no. I'm like, that's exactly what this is. This is this is the Lakers and the Celtics. I'm a, you're a fan of the Celtics and the Celtics aren't in it. And you're asking me to root for the Lakers. And he's like, oh, now I understand. And so when you, you almost have to break down in those terms, but even still, like, across every sport that we've ever had like whenever it's the nba finals or the world series or the stanley cup you know finals whatever it is the super bowl everyone feels like they have to latch onto a team and so for them when it gets when it translates to the world cup it's just the same thing they're like oh well i'll you know i'll just root for switzerland because they have you know my grandmother's from switzerland or i'll root for france because i like the color blue um and and really it doesn't have to be that way but at the end of the day i feel like and it may just be because the U.S. isn't in it. If I feel like there has been an overemphasis this time around on picking a team. Like, we don't get this for the Euros, but for the World Cup, we've gotten every single commercial is about picking a team that's not the United States. And, you know, honestly, I just, you know, I almost want to mute those things so I can just get back to watching the games. Yeah, it feels a little anxious, the the way people are badgering Americans, like, you got to pick a team, you got to pick a team. It's like, well, what if I don't? Anarchy? I don't know. Maybe I just enjoy drama. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes people want to root for, like, a lot of people are rooting for chaos. Like, they're like, I want every team to lose so everyone can feel our pain. Like, so, some people don't want to see others happy. Like, I, I, I get it. And, and honestly, there are some people who who pick a team for, for valid reasons, and, and that I completely understand, whether you're married you married into it or, or your family history. I don't have, I don't know what my family history is. My family history is, you know, I, I did a, I did a, a, a blood test five years ago and it said that I'm from West Africa. You're like, okay, that's narrowing it down. West Africa is bigger than the United States. So, I mean, I, I don't know. 
I don't know where I'm from. So there's no like I have a Nigeria jersey, but people are like, oh man, like your boys Nigeria. I was like, no, they're not my boys. This is this is my jersey. Um, and it's it, but at the same time, again, once you you see somebody and you want to label them, and and really for this World Cup, there's a lot of fans out there that just don't want to be labeled. They just want to watch the games for once and just take it all in. Uh, but like with all these commercials, I, I we better damn qualify next time because I don't want to have to go through this again. <laughs> well. One way or another, we'll probably at least be in the 2026 one. So, yes, we will only, we have that to look forward to. Only eight more years to wait, assuming, That's, you know, the world exists in eight years. I think it'll exist in some form. Now, um, we may be playing on the moon. We do own the moon. I feel like we can add that as a venue. Um, it, you, we may, the VAR may not work as well up there, but, you know, things we can figure out. Yeah, I'm sure um, the Space Force will do a great job of preparing the moon for the the, the 2026 <laughs> the World field Cup. Service, the field service will be immaculate. I, I for one, welcome our lunar overlords. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is there anything else to talk about the, uh, the World Cup? I think we're... I think we covered I think a lot. I think I think the the takeaway here is like there's no really wrong way to be a fan as long as you're enjoying the game and you're letting other people around you enjoy the game their own way as well. Like just just have fun, enjoy it. Life is meant to be enjoyed, and you know the world might be going crazy. Sports is a a a retreat from that. I mean, yes, sometimes it's politicized. We just went on a little rant about the political connotations of one aspect of it. But at the same time, um, it should be a way for you to be able to experience the world. And the World Cup is a way to experience the greater world around you and maybe connect to cultures and people that you don't get exposed to in your normal life. So enjoy it. And don't worry about, you know, policing other people's experiences or or fretting over having to pick a team. You know what? I... I I think the only thing I can add to that is let's focus less on picking teams and, and focus more on picking relationships and building relationships. Because like I said, some of the best moments in this world cup are going to be the relationships you make, uh, the friendships you make with people who are different than yourself, um, who are all in it for the same thing. The, the game unites us all. Uh, and I think that has been winning so far this world cup. And, and hopefully that continues to be the case. I think some of the babies that get made during this World Cup are going to enjoy 2026. Maybe some of them can get capped. We, we have eight years to do that, too. <laughs> but you know what? I think that will wrap it up on, on that note. Um, so a quick note for those, those of you out there. You probably have been listening. Well, you lost probably listened to the first episode on SoundCloud. Well, now we are on iTunes. We just got the official... Uh, word today we are on itunes we are on google play as well and stitcher radio is coming soon probably by the time you listen to this it'll probably be in stitcher radio as well so uh download it subscribe we can do that now uh leave reviews let us know how we're doing uh in in our comments uh especially on the uh stars and stripes fc page uh let us know how we're doing if there's any segments that you guys want to hear over the next couple weeks uh that is not world cup related because obviously that is the main main attraction right now uh let us know but uh i think that's all we got stephanie are you good i mean in the greater sense it's a struggle but yeah for the podcast purposes i'm good all right that sounds good to me we'll we'll, we, we'll do better next week guys uh for now for stephanie i'm donald this is the stars and stripes at podcast episode two we're out